It's about you, your health, your family, and your community. This is Sunday Morning Magazine with your host, Rodney Lear. And good morning. Hope you're having a blessed weekend. Welcome to another edition of Sunday Morning Magazine. Well, they are a growing force. They are husbands, wives, children, personal chefs, chauffeurs, housekeepers, personal bankers. They provide medical care, love, support, and encouragement. They are on duty 24 hours a day, seven days a week. They are the millions nationwide who provide care for a loved one as a caregiver. This morning, we focus on caregiving. Coming up, we talk to three women who are caregivers. They share their fears, stresses, and how they keep it all together and make it all work. For a comprehensive list of resources for caregiving, visit our Facebook page, Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear, and like us there. And you can access our caregiving guide resource there. If you miss anything this morning, remember you can listen to the show anytime you like. All you have to do is visit your favorite podcast app like Spotify, Podcast One, and iTunes, and subscribe to Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear. We begin our look at caregiving with Paula Smith. Paula is with the Council on Aging. We're also joined by Ashley Santana and Heather Wetterick. They're with the Comprehensive Care Center at Cincinnati's Children's Hospital. It's my pleasure to welcome you ladies to the show. Good morning. How are you, ladies? Doing great. Having a great morning. All right, good. Now, let's start with you, Paula. Explain to us what the Council on Aging is and what you guys do. Sure. So Council on Aging is a a local nonprofit organization, and we're dedicated to enhancing quality of life for older adults, people with disabilities, and their caregivers. And we promote choice, independence, and dignity through the services that we offer that help people remain independent in their homes and communities. Okay. And you ladies are with the Complex Care Center at Cincinnati's Children's Hospital. Tell us about what you guys do through the center. So the Complex Care Center is a pediatrician's office for medically complex children. They cannot be served by um, pediatricians in the community. So generally, the kids that we see are um, technology-dependent in some way, either trach, vent, shunt, G-tube, and um, have comorbidities of... um, developmental delays or genetic diseases. Typically, we for our clinic to qualify, you need an equipment dependence, as Heather mentioned, trach, vent, G-tube, or feeding tube, and you need to be seen by at least three subspecialties within Children's Hospital. And so they got the right name for it because that <laughs> seems really complex, right? Yes. <laughs> All right. So we're here this morning to talk about the caregiving experience. So Let's start at the beginning. Explain to us what a caregiver is. For many people, they may not know they hear the term caregiver, but may not know what that is and what that means. So from Council on Aging's perspective, um, we often are working with people who who don't consider themselves a caregiver, but they really are. They might be a son or a daughter who stops in to make sure their mom has groceries or to take dad to the doctor's office. Um, And really, they are a caregiver. And so we we try to, to encourage people to recognize themselves as a caregiver because there are a lot of um, there are a lot of complexities that come along with caregiving, uh, and um, caregiving can actually be uh, detrimental to the caregiver's health if they're not recognizing themselves as a caregiver and seeking out resources. So that's what we want to be. We want to be the resource for these folks who are helping to care for an older loved one so they can continue providing that care, keep their loved one independent, but also manage everything else that might be going on in their lives, like 
raising children, going to work, mm-hmm. all that type of stuff. Just your everyday stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Right, right, mm-hmm. right. So I'm guessing that caregiving looks very different on your end from Children's Hospital because I guess caregiving as a parent is expected. And with some of our families, I feel like there's just a whole range of caregiving. Um, we see, we have a lot of parents who are providing care, but then there comes grandparents. Sometimes the older siblings take over that role of caregiving because of the child's complexities. Some of our kids have nursing, like private duty nursing, home health aides, family friends help out. So um, a lot of our families have like different types of caregivers that kind of help out on a daily basis for our families. Being a lifelong caregiver to a child with special needs is a whole different level because you don't get to see your kid graduate and move out of the house. They're going to stay with you and you're going to be their caregiver until you pass away or something else happens. So let's talk about this, Paula. You said that there are four kinds of people in the world. Explain (laughs) that. I think that's really interesting. So this is actually a really famous Rosalind Carter quote, um, former first lady. And she said, there are four kinds of people in the world. There are those who have been caregivers, those who will be caregivers, those who are currently caregivers, and those of us who will need a caregiver. So caregiving at some point in our lives does touch us. Um, It just depends on when and in what capacity. Um, So if people recognize that there are resources out there for caregivers, it can make the job a lot easier for them. Okay. And so let me ask you this now. Do we know any of the numbers? Do we know how many people are caregivers that are caring for their loved ones? Do we have any um, stats, numbers? What do we know? So um, from the older adult perspective, um, I know that there are more than 43 and a half million people who provided care to someone over age 50 last year. And I believe if you're looking at all of caregiving, someone who's caring for someone who might be disabled or a dependent child, it's closer to like 65 million. And um, what's alarming to us is that um, many of those folks, um, about 24 million, are actually people who are employed also and have to shoulder caregiving responsibilities as well. So there's that 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 double edge to it. Okay. And I know you guys see that all the time in, in the complex care center because you have families that have to survive. They have to work and they're, they're caregivers as well. So, and your situation, and like you said, is lifelong. Mm-hmm. So it has to be, make the situation even more complex. Is it not? Oh yeah. I know there's a huge stress in our families. Um, in our clinic alone, just if there's a kid who has two parents, one of them is working and one of them has to stay home to provide care for the child. And in some of our other families, um, if it's a single parent and there's not enough nursing or aid supports in the community for them to um, be able to go to work, then they aren't working and they typically have to rely on public assistance. So it's very challenging for a lot of our families just due to the um, limited amount of support there is in the community for some of our kiddos. And I understand that the caregiving pool is shrinking and shrinking fast. Is that right, Paula? Right. So the population is aging. If you're talking about uh, older adults again, um, you know, we don't think of Ohio as as a big state, but we actually have the sixth largest older adult population in the country. So there's a a big population there. um, And just by next year, a quarter of the state's population is going to be over age 60. So that's a huge number. Um, And at the same time that the population is growing, the pool of caregivers is is shrinking. Families are smaller. We're more spread out than we used to be. We don't all live in the same communities. Um, and we're also facing a very critical workforce shortage 
um, with the folks that we would typically rely on to come in and provide services such as homemaking or personal care. So there's a real um, a real shortage of home health aides, um, trained home health aides in this country. It's not just affecting us here locally. Well, it is impacting us locally, but it's a nationwide problem right now. And in case you're just tuning in this morning, all morning long, we're talking about caregiving. In the studio with me this morning, we're joined by Paula Smith. Paula is with the Council on Aging. We're also joined by Heather Rhetoric and Ashley Santana. They're with the Complex Care Center at Cincinnati's Children's Hospital. For more information on caregiving or more information about our guest or to join the conversation, all you have to do is go to our Facebook page, Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear on Facebook. Head there now and like us there now. Now, I want to talk about this, and I think all three of you alluded to this earlier, but let's talk about how important it is for the caregivers themselves to make sure that they're taking care of their own health. That's very crucial. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, I feel like a lot we try to tell families, like, you need to take care of yourself in order to take care of others. But it's easier said than done because, I mean, we have parents who have to go to multiple appointments a week for our kiddos. There's therapy appointments. There's specialty appointments, primary care. And um, on account of them getting sick, and there's just a lot of things that to do, so they – it's harder for them to put themselves first because they have such burden of taking care of their child or if they have other children, too. Because I know with a lot of our families, it's not just the one kid. There's other kids, too. And it's just hard to kind of manage all of the needs okay. to be able to take care of yourself. OK, that's Ashley with Cincinnati's Children's Hospital. What about you, Paula? What do you see on your end on the senior end of the spectrum? How important is it for caregivers to take care of themselves? It's it's very important. Um, we use, we like to use the um, oxygen mask analogy. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're on an mm-hmm. airplane, they're giving you the safety right. spiel. They say, you know, if the oxygen mask comes down, put it on yourself first before you help someone else. And that's what we try to remind people is that if you're going to be a caregiver for someone, you need to take care of yourself because you, you won't be able to do it if, if your health declines or if you're – fatigued to the point that, you know, you, you can't think straight sometimes. Um, so we, we definitely um, want to see people, caregivers taking care of themselves, um, that ultimately that will help their care recipient as well. Okay. And so let's talk about some of the things that we see when you are neglecting your own health. I know that sleep deprivation is one of those things. Let's talk about some of the other things that you see with families. They're not eating well. They're not exercising. Um, they are very tired. They're postponing or neglecting their own health care because of the health care that their loved one needs. Okay. Ladies? Um, I think that happens quite frequently in the pediatric population. There's many times and conversations that happen in the clinic where you're encouraging the moms to go to their own appointments and address their own health issues that are impacting the care of their child. And as a mom, you always put your baby first. So if it happens next year, it'll happen next year. I'll go get my mammogram. But then there's that guilt that sets in. You know, I know you guys experienced it. Um, you, you have clients that deal with this. What do you say to caregivers that are experiencing the guilt? I need to go to the doctor appointment every time. I need to whatever the guilt. I think kind of just pushing home that. You really need to take care of yourself in order to provide the care needed for the child. And especially with a lot of our kids, they require 24-hour care. They require monitoring. Um, So it's a lot of things that require a lot of attention. And if you are sleep-deprived or if you have health issues yourself, it's going to be even more difficult to catch those things. So kind of echoing, like, 
you need to take care of yourself in order to take care, like provide the best care for your child. And then trying to think through like, okay, what supports can we provide to help you get some respite so that you can take care of yourself a little bit and that your child still gets the care they're get they're supposed to get. And unfortunately, the system isn't set up to help these families. We offer respite, mm-hmm. but it's hard to get. And there's not the available resources in the community to provide the 16 hours of nursing a day so the family can work and sleep and take care of their kid. So as healthcare professionals, we always encourage the families to take care of yourself and But in the same aspect, the system isn't set up for the families to actually be able to do that. There's a severe nursing shortage. So the families could be approved for nursing hours and they get, you know, one fourth of the hour staffed. So therefore, they're caring for their child 24 hours a day and not getting the sleep and not going to their appointments and not getting their meds that they need. Okay, Paula Smith with the Council on Aging, your thoughts? From our perspective, you know, I think a lot of the caregivers we work with, um, they're kind of experiencing a little bit of a a shock because it's role reversal all of a sudden. Mm -hmm. You know, it's child having to take care of mom and dad. Mm -hmm. And that can be a real adjustment. uh, And there can be guilt that goes along with that, um, along with, with, you know, some discomfort. People might not be comfortable providing that level of care to their parents. We offer a caregiver education and support program. Uh, to people who are providing care to someone age 60 or older or if the caregiver themselves is age 60 or older to try to work with them to get through some of those issues and to focus on really the needs of the caregiver so the caregiver can step back and say, okay, uh, if I want to help my husband or my mom or my dad stay at home, then I do need to make sure that I'm taking care of myself, that I'm engaging a support network, that I'm reaching out for resources, uh, and, and we try to help facilitate that. Okay. And you brought up a good point. I remember doing a show like this um, decades ago when I first started in radio. Um, someone called in, uh, you know, this older woman is being abused. Her daughter is abusing her. Well, come to find out that the mom is 100 and the daughter is 80. You know, they both need help. She is. It wasn't abuse. It was uh, boring on neglect. But the problem was they both needed help. And so I'm sure that with this aging population, I'm sure that people are living longer. I'm sure that that's going to be a factor in a lot of cases because, you know, a lot of people want to keep mom and dad at home Mm -hmm. and things like that. And then that puts a lot of stress on yourself. But let's talk about that, if you will, because there's a population that's aging and the children and adults are and their parents are aging as well. Yeah, we see we do see that a lot. Um, We have a lot of um, spouses who are trying Mm -hmm. to provide care um, for, um, you know, their their husband or wife so they can stay together in in maybe the home that they lived in and raised their children in. You know, they want to stay there. They don't want to go to a nursing home. Um, So they'll struggle along. They might know that they need help. But they might be afraid to ask for help because asking for help might raise red flags with other family members. You know, mm-hmm. oh, well, maybe it's time for mom and dad to leave the house. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, we are fortunate in this area that there are community supports available for caregivers, for older adults who want to stay in their homes. Um, we do have Medicaid and home care programs in Ohio. And in southwest Ohio, um, the counties that we operate in, there are dedicated senior services tax levies that provide in-home care services for older adults and for the caregivers who are supporting them. 
And again, in case you're just tuning in this morning, you're listening to Sunday Morning Magazine all morning long. We're talking about caregiving. For more information on caregiving, you can reach out to us on our Facebook page, Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear on Facebook. Head there now and like us there now. In the studio with me this morning, we're joined by Heather Wetterick. We're also joined by Ashley Santana. They're both with the Complex Care Center at Cincinnati's Children's Hospital. Rounding out our panel is Paula Smith. Paula is with the Council on Aging. Now, you ladies are from two completely different ends of the caregiving spectrum. But what are some of the major differences between caregiving for an aging parent versus caregiving for a child? What are some of the similarities and what are some of the differences? Our patients are smaller. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that might be the only difference because we work with caregivers. um, uh, I remember um, I've, I've seen caregivers who are doing home dialysis for their spouse. Mm-hmm. So, I, I mean, very complicated care um, that they're taking on just so they can keep their loved one at home. And they're probably taking on that care with very little training or support that they've received. Um, they might be doing wound care. They might be doing um, diabetic testing or in, in, um, injections. Um, so probably the care is very similar, but the I size. Think I mean, all of the... We have patients that receive all of those things. So, yeah, it's just how big they are. (laughs) And I would say that for the aging population, I think there are more like facility options where for us there's not that many intermediate care facility options. And parents typically don't want to have their child in an intermediate care facility. So it's I feel like that might be a little different. But even then with adults, they don't want to put their parents in nursing facilities either. So or their parents that... have the option of saying, no, I don't want to go there yet. Yeah. Yes. Where the yeah. kids mm-hmm. are still dependents. OK, so, Paula, let me ask you this now. You, there's an option that many people don't know. I don't know if it's an option, but it's something that many people may not know that you can actually get paid for taking care of your mom. Right. How and- does that work? Sure. In, in some cases, yeah, you can. And it really depends on um, on where you live, whether your um, care recipient qualifies for Medicaid. Um, so in Ohio, there's a Medicaid and home care program called Passport. And through Passport, there is what's called a self-directed or a participant-directed option. And um, in that case, the person who's enrolled in the program can designate who their caregiver is um, with some qualifications and restrictions, then that person can get paid through Medicaid to provide the care that's needed. Um, and it's certainly not a blank check. There's a care manager involved um, when someone's receiving care, and that care manager says how much care is needed, what type of care is needed, and there's a set pay rate. So there's that option. Um, through our levy programs here in Southwest Ohio, through the Elderly Services Program, there is a uh, consumer-directed option, and the client can choose someone that they know um, to be their caregiver. And that helps in two ways. That gives the client more freedom and more comfort mm-hmm. in the person who's coming in to provide their care, and they're generally happier with their services. And two, it helps us get around this shortage of workers um, mm-hmm. because they can hire a friend or a neighbor. Um, the caregiver, the paid caregiver cannot be a spouse but could be another family member or a friend. And there are rules to the program, but we have staff that work with people to get all that set up um, and and make that arrangement. And then another option that's available is called a personal care arrangement, a personal care agreement. And that's a a written contract between a caregiver and a care recipient um, for what services will be be provided, um, how much they'll get paid, what what all the parameters are. And that's generally um, a, a binding contract that can be set up um, preferably with some legal help. Okay. 
So I don't know if there's something similar in the pediatric world in terms of um, maybe perhaps getting paid for taking care. Yeah. So um, it's kind of hard. There are these supports called waivers, and one of them is through the Department of Developmental Disability, and then the other is through um, Job and Family Services called the Ohio Home Care Waiver, which actually counts on aging and care star managed in Ohio. Um, but for that, like a parent, if they are a um, licensed nurse and their child requires, um, is eligible for 16 hours of private duty nursing, we have some family where the parent can get paid to provide nursing services for their child, but that's through the waiver. And then um, a lot of times through the DDS waivers or Developmental Disability Service waivers, um, they can start getting paid to provide care once the individual turns 18 um, or graduates from school. So um, there are it's not as many options, and I know a lot of our parents feel like they are working multiple jobs because they have their job, and then they come home and they're providing a lot of care for their kids. But um, there are some options depending on if the child meets medical eligibility and then if the parent has the trained certifications to do so. Okay, good. Um, So let's talk about technology. Can technology, how helpful is technology in the caregiving experience? So many of our kids do not have the ability to communicate. So we work um, closely with the Perlman Center and get augmented communication devices. So technology is extremely important in those instances because kids will use eye gaze to say yes, no for questions. They'll use talkers so they can type out words or I want a piece of candy or where's the dog or I want to go home when they're in the hospital. So with technology, families are able to actually hear what their children are thinking and their children are able to express their needs, which is a big communication barrier for these children. We also, many of our children are technology dependent, so they have to have some kind of technology to survive. Okay. Thanks, Heather. Paula? On the flip side of that, um, we can look at technology as a way to kind of enhance the caregiving experience. So, um, you know, we we recommend um, that people find technology that can either make caregiving easier for them or maybe help them feel supported in their role. So there are all kinds of caregiving um, podcasts out there that might be something, you know, if you're on your way to a doctor's appointment or if you have a few minutes of downtime, you know, you can listen to something that might help help ground you or or help you feel not so alone. You know, there are podcasts that focus on Alzheimer's. Um, there are podcasts out there for millennial caregivers, just about any kind of topic you can think of. Um, and then there are also, and there are more coming up all the time, um, all sorts of caregiving apps out there. Um, so there are apps that would just help you there's Caring Bridge is one of them, and I think that people of all ages use that, um, and that just helps people connect to a, a network and stay connected around a person who needs care. There are apps out there to help you manage medications, um, manage appointments, schedule caregiving duties for people who are involved in care. So there, there are some tools out there that can kind of help and um, make things a little easier. All right. And finally, this morning, what are some of the biggest resources out there? Um, You touched on a lot of those, Paula, but what are some resources available to families, um, to caregivers that they may not know about that you think will be very beneficial for our listeners who are caregivers? So, I mean, it's dependent on what the child's needs are, but um, we always encourage a lot of our kids who are eligible for, once they turn three, developmental disability services, even before then, help me grow 
Um, it just has a lot of support options as they age um, with waivers and then with um, con- connection to resources in the community. And then I guess kind of just I was thinking um, Casey Cares yes. is, and A Kid Again are foundations that work with families to kind of bring normal kid experiences mm-hmm. to families with special needs and um, to help with siblings. So they take them to baseball games yeah. and do activities to kind of bring the whole family together and are able to go into the community and be a kid again. Yeah. All right. Uh, and I would say, you know, Council on Aging uh, is is a great resource for people who are caring for an, an older adult or a, um, an adult with disabilities. Uh, we we are the area agency on aging for Southwest Ohio, so our role is to be an unbiased resource for anybody who needs uh, needs care or needs to be connected to resources. Um, and we like to think of ourselves as a as a one stop shop. So you can call us, and you can get connected to our free caregiver support program. You could find out what um, public programs are available that might be able to um, supplement the care you're providing as a caregiver. So you can then go back to work or help, you know, go back to raising your kids and things like that. Um, a couple of other good caregiver resources locally for older adults would definitely be the Alzheimer's Association uh, and Catholic Charities Southwestern Ohio. Um, they have a caregiver support network. Uh, and then on the national level, um, the Family Caregiver Alliance has a wealth of information and they break down their resources by state uh, and they cover just about any caregiving topic that you could possibly think of. Um, if you have a loved one who maybe you live here in Cincinnati and you're, you know, your parents live in Florida or in another state and you're looking for resources, um, the National Elder Care Locator can help you find resources um, uh, for caregiving in wherever your parents are living, wherever your older loved one is living. All right. And um, I wanted to add on the children's website, we have a special needs resource directory. So that um, if you go to the children's and type in special needs resource directory, it has a list of categories ranging from caregiving to transportation to finances that have just a list of resources that you can explore um, for your kid. What would you say to the caregiver listening this morning that feels overwhelmed, that feels underappreciated, um, what would you say to them? Because I'm sure you guys see that in your office. What would you say to them? I would tell them to have some self-compassion, um, to give themselves credit for the hard work that they're doing. Um, you know, they, uh, they're they shouldering um, a burden and there are probably times where they feel very rewarded by what they're doing. And there are other times where it's probably utterly devastating to them. So um, give yourself the space to recognize that there are those highs and lows and um, find a good support network. Have a friend that you can call on, shoulder to cry on, um, and just reach out for help if you need it. Okay. Ladies? Yeah, I would kind of say kind of don't be afraid to ask for help. And I usually tell my families a lot of times you are doing a great job. Like I think sometimes they need to hear that. Mm -hmm. um, And that's something that I would encourage people to say. And if our listeners would like to find out more about the Council on Aging, how can they find out more, Paula? Uh, you can visit our website. It's www.helpforseniors.org, and it's the number four. Okay. Uh, or call us at 513-721-1025. All right. And likewise, if our listeners would like to find out more about Cincinnati's Children's Hospitals Complex Care Center, how can they find out more? So they would just go to Cincinnati Children's website, and you can just type in Complex Care. Um, But I would recommend more so if you're looking for resources, the Special Needs Resource Directory. 
All right. Well, thank you so much, ladies. Thanks for all that you do for families and those out there that are living the caregiving experience. Thank you so much for taking time to talk to us. I really do appreciate it. Thanks, Rodney. We've been speaking to Paula Smith with the Council on Aging, also speaking to Ashley Santana and Heather Wetterick with the Comprehensive Care Center at Cincinnati's Children's Hospital. Again, all morning long, we're talking about caregiving. Remember to access our comprehensive list of resources for caregivers. All you have to do is visit our Facebook page, Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear on Facebook. Head there now, like us there now, and access that resource guide as well on caregiving. Peloton, let's go! This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.